Welcome to the Living Jewishly Podcast. I'm Dr. Elliot Malamud. And I'm Rabbi Yossi Saperman. We talk about Judaism, and we talk about living, and we talk about everything in between. Judaism is not nearly as boring as I thought it was now that I talk to Elliot regularly. We're not selling you on Judaism. We're not selling you on living. We're just trying to get you inside of our brains, the way we think about stuff. By getting you into our Jewish brain, you'll argue a lot, you'll disagree, you'll love, you'll eat, you'll have a really good time, you'll learn a lot of things, and you know what? You might actually find that all those 3,000 years have been worth it. No, I want to pick up on something that you've been self-describing in a very intense way, which is that spirituality has been, is, and will always be really important to you. That leads to a fairly logical question, which is, you've now embraced a traditional Jewish lifestyle, and you self-identify as Orthodox. Do you feel that Judaism satisfies all of the spiritual longings that you have? And if so, maybe you can tell us why. And if not, maybe you can describe if there are other things you do to satisfy those yearnings. Right. I would say for myself, and I want to very briefly define the spiritual dimension because I wouldn't identify in the category spiritual the way that we do in sort of modern society. To me, spirituality right now is deeply connected with having, being created in the image of God and having deep, like creative power in the world to, to make the world a better place, I would say. And I want to sort of get that from the abstract to, to, to the real. For me, my spirituality, the way that I'm most engaged in spirituality is in the act, not necessarily of being meditative or having deep conversations with people. That's definitely a part of it or a contemplative practice. It's really being in the thick of this world, building content, being creative. For me, because I really identify and love learning Torah, it's about bringing my understanding of Judaism and Torah to the world, which is a very universal dimension to it. It's, it's part of my namesake. I very strongly identify with my name Noach, and Noach is, is really united and bridged as the original covenant between God and mankind that there's a shared humanity that we all have that binds us together. And I very much identify spiritually with humanism, Jewish humanism, finding the elements of Jewish practice that unite human beings. So for myself, the short answer is I don't really look outside for spirituality. I find myself every morning, I look at spirituality in practice. Every single morning, I have very much a prescribed set of rituals that I do that are meant to ideally bring in gratitude, bring in a consciousness of the beauty of the moment and what I'm supposed to do. Of course, 97% of the time, it's completely forgotten on me. I don't wake up in the morning when I say Modeani and think about how grateful I am for my life. But the fact is, if I wasn't saying Modeani, I would also not be thinking about it. And so at least I have these structures in place that are meant to guide my consciousness to two, towards two main things. A, a deep appreciation of the beauty of everyday living for me, uh, an awareness of where I am in space, and also an awareness of where I am in time. For me, the rhythm and flow of my week as a human being and as a creator, I'm on Sabbath time and I'm on Jewish time, which means I go very hard in my work and value providing six days a week. I don't really think about Sunday as the weekend. There's Shabbat. Shabbat is where I completely plug out and move into that dimension of myself that doesn't need to create as much and is about quality of relationships. But other than that, I am deeply immersed in being creative. And for me, that's two things, the spirituality of Jewish practice and ritual, blessings and prayer and daily lifestyle, and also creating content. I love to create. I'm very passionate about the work that I do in this world, 
very passionate about mental health, and I look at that as an opportunity to do the mitzvah of helping human beings grow and be better as, as who they are. And of Talmud Torah, uh, of, of teaching Torah, which to me is, is the blueprint of, of how Jews can understand and relate to the world. So I want to pick up on something that you're talking about in your self-description. You yeah. seem to be a person who is comfortable with structure and comfortable with ritual. And that, in some level, studies say, sets you apart in some ways from other Jewish millennials. Contemporary studies seem to indicate that millennials have become somewhat disaffected from institutional Judaism and institutional Jewish life. If you have markers like synagogue attendance, which is quite low, and so on. How did you find yourself in relation to that? You seem atypical in that way. Full disclosure, I love to sing. So being in synagogue is great. You don't get together often with friends in 21st century and start singing. So singing is great. And being with my father and family members in synagogue is also very meaningful for me. But my interest in shul, in general, my interest in communal institutional life through the synagogue is very low and very little. Uh, I don't think it's the most effective way to engage with Jewish millennials, partly because we're starting to deal with this very deep and complex thing called prayer, and that's where we're congregating around. Even though we try to bring in meaningful content and you have classes and you have things around that, you're really getting together in a place and praying. And prayer is so complicated for people. It's the, it defines the essence of their relationship with God. And to me, it's sad that we have these markers of identification that are related to prayer when Jewish life, there's so many mitzvot that people don't identify as part of their Jewish identity that are so much more compelling uh, for Jewish engagement, such as for myself, learning people, learning Torah for two reasons. One is that we get this shared language, an ancient language that we get to learn and be a part of. And two, we get to learn about how to live as a good human being in this world and as a Jew. And a lot of that stuff relates to, to everyday life that human beings engage in, whether they are the most secular or most religious, whether or not they identify and bring that in. And so my goal in, in relating to millennials is how do I make Judaism more relevant? And I do it through learning. And because I look at learning as the shared language that we connect to. And then it's the content of the learning. I'm much more interested in helping Jews relate to Judaism through the Sabbath, through the experience of the Sabbath, through the experience of increasing gratitude as a Jewish practice, through the experience of learning how to be a better human being, character traits and midot, through tzedakah, through Lashon Hara, through ways that human beings across the spectrum can feel connected to being a maximally effective human being. So I think that's a very compelling vision. But one of the things that strikes me when you're talking is it's a universalistic vision. Sure. So let's say I played devil's advocate and you came to me and you said, hey, you know how you can vibe with your Judaism? Think of, Here's a list. And I could say back to you, it's a very cool list and I don't need Judaism for that list, right? There's like all sorts of literature, practices, websites, conferences where people get together and they learn things like gratitude and um, mindful money giving and social justice and on and on and on. You know the list much better than sure. I do. So how do you reconcile a vision that's universal with the ethnicity, the idea of Jewish continuity, which is really very ethnic on some level? Sure. So again, I'm working this out as I'm going with you, Dr. Malaman. I have been thinking about these things very deeply and, and I'm going to repeat myself to a certain extent, which is it's true. There are dozens of hundreds of millions of self-help programs, practices, ways of relating, ways of learning, uh, increasing your gratitude, increasing your mindfulness, uh, you know, being involved in sacred community. The list goes on. And, and my, my response is, is go for it. Do, do, do what you want if that's what you want to do. But my sense is that there are people 
that do have an interest in Judaism, it has a vague sense of importance for them, but they don't quite know how to land it. And so, again, my structure for engagement is, is two things. One is, I'm not just interested in giving you techniques about how to increase your gratitude. I want to learn with you. There's narrative, just like you know, Rabbi David Foreman says this all the time, people don't read an 1,000-page book to learn the ethics behind the book, whether it's you know, Tolstoy or Dostoevsky. People want to learn the narrative, the story that goes with it. We have a story. And the more that I learn Torah, like Torah with people, I look at Torah as the entry point. Whatever the practice that I'm engaging in with people is going to be, perhaps at the end of the day, they're going to make a gratitude journal and I'm going to make a gratitude journal. The soul and the story is connected to our people and it's meaningful. So if people want to engage with these practices in a totally secular sense, I'm not necessarily there to compete. If they want to both do those practices and get very sophisticated versions of these things, as well as being a part of the narrative and having a meaningful sense of Jewish identity that easily complements and flows into their life, then that's sort of the angle that I, that I go with. So for example, I did a, a, a whole class on friendships with my friends. Some of my friends, that was the first Torah class they learned, and they're getting a sort of a soul and a story, and then very practical things that they may learn elsewhere, they may not. So the fact of the matter is, if people are interested in Judaism as this broad, vague thing, and they associate it, let's say, with being in synagogue, being at the high holidays, and hopefully having really positive family experiences, my goal is to make both learning and then engaging in these spiritual, universal practices of some kind have a strong Jewish narrative that's meaningful for people. So in closing this part of our conversation, Noah, I want you to describe for me what you think that Jewish story is. Really? You said Come on. you think there's a Jewish story. Hmm. What do you think that story is? Or how would you describe it? I'm going to have a hard time summing up. I, I, I look at this question as what is the story of the Jewish people mean no, to you? Let me be more specific. Yeah. You pointed out correctly that when people read fictional narratives, I'm actually right in the middle of reading The Brothers Karamazov. And you're right. You read it for the story, although the truth is in that novel, you all are also reading it for the argumentation. But I agree. You read stories because we're humans are storytellers and we're compelled by narratives, both the narratives we tell ourselves about our own lives and the narratives we absorb from other people's lives. So you said that for you, that's the grounding point of Judaism, is that there's a specific story. Jewish story so if I were to come to you and you were to say to me, you know, there is a Jewish story, I'd want to know, what is it? I think, it's, I think it's the most brilliant story of a people in human history. The fact of the matter is, we learned how to be masters of a land. We learned how to create a society that supports each other, feeds into mutual reciprocity and shared values of justice and, and, and liberty of life. We did that in a land. And for 2,000 years, we were completely displaced across the entire world and were really rooted in the story of our people. So when I say story, I'm going to start with the fact that the Torah itself, the whole five books of Genesis and the story of, a, of an enslaved people becoming free and what that means and how that's been inspired by countless non-Jewish sources, such as the original voices of, of the Black Liberation Movement, as well as the founding fathers of, of the United States. Uh, taking a lot of the principles of universal justice that the prophets had and, and bringing that into the world. So for me, the story is how to thrive in, in this world as a people that's at one point was not rooted with the land and now is back in having a land and outside of a land and is a universal people. So the, just in and of itself, it's, you can't name a story of a people that has survived 
every single eon of human history and civilization and is still alive and thriving to, to, to tell what they do. And the key ingredient that has taken us from the time of Abraham to today, from 1948 before the Common Era to 1948 and beyond, has been the Torah and the story of the people. I believe that learning the Torah, whether or not you even extract and get into specifics on how to increase your gratitude, etc., that is our story. So you take the story of the Torah and then you study the history of our people and how we've survived. I can't think of a more inspiring story of survival, of adaptability, of innovation. If you look at the Torah and the way it was before the temple was destroyed and you look at it today, genius. A absolutely brilliant and genius and totally, in my opinion, not properly understood and appreciated by modern man. Thanks for listening to the Living Jewishly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people like you find our show so that we can continue to grow the Living Jewishly community together. You can find us at livingjewishly.org and on YouTube and Instagram. Living Jewishly is living well with everyone.